We read the Holy Scriptures tonight in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, we'll read together the first 20 verses, and my text for this preparatory service is verse 3. The Word of God at Matthew 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. There ends our reading of 
the Holy Scripture tonight. May the Lord add his blessing to our reading of his word. The text is verse 3. Jesus' word, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The sermon which Jesus begins with the verse that is our text for tonight is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Better than to refer to this sermon by the place at which it was preached, it would be to refer to the sermon from the perspective of its theme, its main theme. And that theme is the kingdom of heaven. Our text is the first verse of the sermon. And in our text, reference is made to the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in the last verse of this first section of the sermon, the section that we often refer to as the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed, blessed. In the last verse of the section, in verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the verse with which we ended our reading tonight, verse 20, as well as at the end of verse 19, reference again to the kingdom of heaven. And then sprinkled throughout the rest of the sermon, the rest of chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Several references to the kingdom of heaven. The sermon is a sermon about the kingdom. Fittingly, it begins with the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes describes the spiritual characteristics of the citizens of the kingdom. Who are the citizens of this kingdom? They are the poor in spirit. They are those who mourn, mourn over their sins. They are the meek. They are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. These are the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. These characteristics apply to all of the citizens 
of the kingdom. And every citizen of the kingdom possesses every one of these spiritual characteristics. Not three or four of them, but all of them to one degree or another. This makes it easy for us to identify ourselves as citizens of the kingdom. We may know about ourselves that we are the citizens of the kingdom as much as if the Lord himself mentioned our names in this sermon. We may know that we are citizens of the kingdom by identifying these spiritual characteristics in our own lives. I see in my life. You see in your life as a fruit of the work of God's grace and Holy Spirit, the poverty of which our text speaks. You mourn, mourn over your sins. You are meek, humble because of your sins. You hunger and thirst after righteousness and all the rest. It's not because of anything natural to you. You haven't distinguished yourself from anyone else, but that these characteristics apply to you is due to the work of God's grace in you. And that means, be assured of that. Take comfort in that, that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The first of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, is first for good reason. This is the spiritual characteristic that really accounts for and explains all of the rest. They who are poor in spirit, spiritually poverty-stricken, are those who mourn, mourn over their sins. They're the meek, humble, over against their fellow church member, humble over against even the ungodly, in the world about us, we have nothing in ourselves of which to boast. We are poor. We hunger and thirst after righteousness because this is exactly what we lack. Since our poverty is our sin, our unrighteousness, our guilt before God, then 
that which we hunger and thirst after is righteousness. And we're merciful, merciful to others because of the mercy that God in Christ has shown to us poor sinners. This is a fitting text to consider at a preparatory service. Next Sunday morning, in a powerful way, you will be reminded not only of your poverty as you are in yourself, but of the fullness which God by his grace has filled you, the fullness that is found in Jesus Christ, his broken body and his shed blood. Consider with me tonight the blessed poor. Let's notice, first of all, who these poor are, considering at the same time that in which their poverty consists. Secondly, their knowledge of their poverty. And thirdly, their enjoyment of blessedness. The most important thing about the citizens of the kingdom of heaven is that they are poor in spirit. The Lord mentions this first, and he does that deliberately. He does that for good reason. This is the fundamental characteristic of every citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. The poverty of spirit that the Lord Jesus refers to here is a poverty of spirit that concerns the child of God, not just at one point in his life, but throughout his life, all his life long. He isn't just poor in spirit at the beginning of his Christian life, at the moment of his regeneration, when by the Spirit of Jesus Christ he's translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. But even after he has been translated into the kingdom, so long as he is in this world and on this earth, this applies to him, this applies to her, poverty of spirit. We must be clear that the Lord Jesus is concerned in the text with spiritual poverty. He says that. That's explicit in the text. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The spiritually poor. 
Jesus has nothing to say in this text about earthly, material poverty. Jesus isn't proclaiming the prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it gospel. That is the counterpart to poverty. If only your faith is strong enough, and if only you are a second-tier Christian, have the outstanding blessing of being baptized with the Holy Spirit, well then, you may enjoy great prosperity in your earthly life. Abundant blessing of God that takes the form of physical and material prosperity. Jesus is not describing in the text anything that has to do with poverty of the body, but he is talking about those who are poor in spirit. Nor does the Lord in the passage refer to those who have from a psychological point of view a low estimation of themselves, a kind of inferiority complex. That isn't either the outstanding characteristic of the people of God that the Lord Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5, verse 3. To be poor in spirit is to have the living experiential knowledge, the conviction of heart and soul that you are in want from a spiritual point of view. The po poverty is a lack. Poverty is to want. Poverty is to be without the basic necessities of life. Poverty of spirit is to lack spiritually, to be altogether spiritually destitute, to be without anything from a spiritual point of view. Such a poverty, such a want, such a need that is due to sin. Who are the poor in spirit? What is the outstanding characteristic of those who are the citizens of the kingdom of heaven? They are those who know themselves to be sinners, guilty sinners, who as they are in themselves, are outside the kingdom of heaven. 
and do not deserve a place in the kingdom of heaven. Who are these poverty-stricken people? They are, first of all, people who lack and who are in need of righteousness, God's righteousness, the righteousness that covers their unrighteousness, their sin, and their guilt before God. Their guilt before God for the unrighteousness of Father Adam in the garden. Their guilt before God on account of their own unrighteousness because of the corrupt nature with which they've been born and come into this world. And they are those who are guilty before God because of their actual sins, their sins of thought and word and deed, their own transgressions of the will and commandments of God. They have a debt, a huge debt. Not only are they poor, lacking anything, but they have a debt, a mountain of debt that they can never pay off. And that debt is the debt of sin. Secondly, their poverty is their lack and want of holiness. Their nature is corrupt. Their thoughts and their desires are depraved. Their words and deeds are wicked. They are those who fall short, far short of the glory of God. They are who were. They are not somewhat poor. They are utterly poor. They're destitute. They have nothing. The opposite of this is a sense of, sense of spiritual fullness, spiritual riches, spiritual ability, spiritual goodness, so that their thoughts and words and deeds are good, pleasing to God, at least that they possess in themselves some ability for good. They at least have the desire within themselves for the good. A desire to please God. A desire to do that which is right in God's sight. No. They are poor. Altogether poor. Those who are the objects of the Lord's blessing in the text. Those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven have nothing, absolutely nothing, in themselves. They are utterly without any 
spiritual resources. They're totally depraved, incapable of doing anything that pleases God. They are those who are unable to save themselves, to do the slightest thing on behalf of their own salvation. They are poor. We've lost the sense of the meaning of that word in our day. The government, somewhat arbitrarily, establishes the poverty level. But that poverty level doesn't include only those who have nothing, no food, no shelter, no clothing, no money to purchase anything. Those who fall below our nation's poverty level, I guarantee you every one of them have a cell phone. Many of them have a satellite dish so that they can watch all the television that they want. They have some money, if not working at a job, the welfare that our country doles out, all of the health benefits that are accorded to those, many of whom are not even citizens of the kingdom. That's not poverty. That's not spiritual poverty. For the poverty that Jesus speaks of in the Sermon on the Mount is a poverty that is utterly, desperately poor. They who are poor with the poverty of which Jesus speaks have nothing nothing in their hands do they bring and they know it that too is an outstanding aspect of Jesus instruction in the words of our text they know it the great question of course is Am I poor? Do I know myself to be in the number of those about whom Jesus is speaking in the text? Am I one of those who are poor in spirit? Is that me? Do I have a living and a personal knowledge of myself that I am poor in spirit? That's what the Lord is referring to here. He isn't talking merely objectively about those who happen to be poor. But he's talking about the poor who know themselves to be poor. The Lord is referring to those who have a living and experiential knowledge of their poverty. When he says, blessed 
are the poor in spirit. He refers to the man who looks at himself and who confesses, I am poor. I am numbered among those who on account of their sins are destitute, spiritually destitute before God. That's me. It's a felt poverty. As poverty always is. It's a felt lack and want. So that they say in themselves, I am poor. Only they who say that, who know themselves to be poor, have a place at the Lord's table there to be filled. The fact of the matter is, of course, that Every human being, every man, woman, and child is spiritually poor. Every man is sinful and depraved, lacking righteousness before God, lacking holiness. But not every man knows this about himself, confesses this concerning himself, is grieved over this and confesses it before God. On the contrary, for the most part, men flaunt their spiritual riches and fullness, their own spiritual sufficiency and well-being apart from the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. This is their folly. This is the deceit of the devil who not only closes their eyes so that they do not see their poverty, but deceives them into supposing that they are rich have lack of nothing, are sufficient in themselves. And that, under the judgment of God. No, the Lord refers in this first beatitude to those who know themselves to be poor, who know themselves as those who have nothing, nothing upon which they can base their salvation, no claim on the blessing of God in themselves. Do you know your need? Do you know your utter lack of any spiritual good? 
Does it live in your consciousness that as you are in yourself, you stand exposed before God as a needy beggar, beseeching and supplicating God for his mercy and salvation. And there's the indication of how far the churches have apostatized from the truth of the gospel. Man isn't the beggar. Man isn't the one beseeching and pleading. But God is the beggar pleading and beseeching the sinner. How does one arrive at this knowledge of himself? How does one come to the conviction that as far as he or she is concerned, there is nothing spiritually good in them that by nature they possess? Absolutely no riches before God. How does one come to the conviction that these spiritual characteristics that are laid out by our Lord at the beginning of the Sermon and the Mount apply to him? The explanation is grace, amazing grace. The grace of God that breaks our naturally proud, self-confident spirit. The grace of God that gives to the sinner, to you and to me a living knowledge of our spiritual poverty. It was grace that moved God to give his son to the death of the cross, his body broken, his blood shed, so that we might have the wealth of the riches of salvation. It was grace that God gave the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and in my heart to give us the sense and knowledge of our spiritual poverty. It was grace that caused us to look away from ourselves and to look to God for the grace, the spiritual riches that are to be found in the gospel. It is grace that God gives this knowledge of our spiritual poverty. He does that through the preaching of the gospel 
The gospel as it's preached tonight. The gospel as it's always preached. And then he confirms that by the administration of the sacrament. Through the preaching of the gospel, the gospel that exalts God, the gospel that proclaims the greatness and glory of God, God's riches, and at the same time declares unto guilty sinners their poverty, their poverty of spirit. It's the grace of God that adds to that gospel the sacrament in the end to be poor in spirit. You must know God. The greatness and the glory of God and your nothingness, your insignificance, as you are in yourself, in his presence. Those who know themselves to be poor in spirit are blessed. The Lord Jesus proclaims them blessed in the text. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're blessed, Jesus says. Christ says so. This is the authoritative pronouncement of the king of the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Pay no attention to what men may say. Pay no attention to the scoffing of the world. Pay no attention to the mockery of the false and apostate church. Pay no attention to your own doubt. Blessed, says Christ, are the poor in spirit. Their blessedness is, first of all, their poverty, their knowledge of their poverty that in itself is their blessedness, that is, a gift of grace that God works in his people so that they see and know and confess their poverty. Being poor in spirit and knowing it is itself the blessing of God. In the second place, the Lord describes the blessedness of the poor in spirit in terms of the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
in this world, these poor receive nothing. The kingdom is for the rich. The rich are the powerful. The rich are the influential. The rich are the ones who have a name and a reputation. They are the shakers and the movers. But in the kingdom of heaven, it's different. And in every one of these beatitudes, starting with this first beatitude, the Lord turns this wicked world on its head. Blessed are the poor, says Jesus. All the riches of the kingdom of heaven belong to them. All the honor, all the glory, all the blessedness for time and for eternity. Christ himself blesses them. Blessed, says Christ. That word of Christ is effectual. Christ's pronouncement of them as blessed accomplishes their blessedness. He sees to it. The one who is the king of this kingdom the one who, as the king, purchased their right to citizenship in this kingdom by what he did on his cross. He is the one who says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that word is effective so that they are and so that they enjoy that blessedness. Already now, without doubt, ultimately, in the future, when the kingdom is perfected. The Lord teaches some important things here about that blessedness. The word is really happy. You may read the text that way. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. True, lasting happiness. Only those who are poor in spirit. The Lord teaches us, first of all, what happiness consists of. It consists of the forgiveness of our sins. That's the spiritual filling of us who are poor, the forgiveness of our sins. That's what Jesus is talking about here. What is it that makes us miserable, joyless, unhappy? It's our sin and the guilt of our sin. Not merely the consequences of our sin, the guilt of our sin as offense against God. Blessedness, then, is to possess the forgiveness of our sins. Secondly, just for that reason, our Lord teaches us here that happiness does not depend 
on the outward circumstances of our lives. Doesn't matter tonight what the outward circumstances of your life may be, what the outward circumstances of my life may be. This joy, this happiness rises above those circumstances. Despite what our earthly circumstances may be, blessed, happy are the poor in spirit. And thirdly, Jesus teaches us here that happiness is a byproduct, a spiritual byproduct. It is very striking that Jesus does not make the first beatitude. Blessed are they who seek to be blessed. Happy are they who set out to be happy. But he says, blessed, happy are the poor in spirit. Happiness is a byproduct. Happiness is a blessing of God. It is essentially selfish and self-centered to seek happiness, to make happiness the be-all and end-all of your life. If you do that, you're not going to be happy. God won't let you. This is happiness. It begins with this. Happy are the poor in spirit. That happiness, the poor enjoy. Oh, the perfect enjoyment of it, I said, waits for the future. That's true. When the kingdom will be established in its perfection. When the Lord of that kingdom the one who died for us, whose body was broken and bloodshed, comes again as the Lord of glory in great power. But already now, we begin to enjoy, we do enjoy the blessedness, the happiness of the kingdom. Already now, we have the life of the kingdom of heaven within us. Already now we enjoy the righteousness of that kingdom. Already now we enjoy the holiness of the kingdom. Already now the glory of that kingdom is something we share in the adoption to be God's own children. Already now we have the kingdom in fellowship with God. Communion with him who is the king of the kingdom. We're going to experience that in a special way next Sunday morning. This is our blessedness. True happiness. Everlasting joy in life and in death. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Amen.
Father in heaven, bless the preaching of thy word tonight. Use that word to comfort us, to strengthen our faith, and to prepare us to partake of the sacrament next Sunday morning. We pray, Heavenly Father, that joined to the word heard tonight, the word that we will hear next Lord's Day, the sacrament may be a powerful means of grace to strengthen the assurance of our salvation. For Jesus' sake, amen.